The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and it's time to recap. Recap? Maybe we should call it that, the recap. The recap, week five of the NFL season. Sunday's in the books. A ton of action. We lost a superstar quarterback probably for the entire season. One head coach was fired, and Russell Wilson continued his MVP campaign on Sunday night. Let's get Two at all joining me now, Ryan Wilson and John Breach. How was your Sunday, Ryan? Busy. I work on Sundays. How about you? Uh, I did a, uh, see, you think you're saying it? I did a three hour Twitch stream for the FFT guys. So suck it, nerd. Oh, I got dunked oh! on. Oh! Earliest dunking on in pick six podcast history. All right. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll break that record next time the Bears play and win. So don't worry, Wilson. Brinson will smash it. Um, <laughs> which will probably be next week, knowing my luck. Um, no, it was actually fun. We had, uh, each week we have, uh, former or current, uh, we had Damien, Will- Damien Williams last week. Mm. Uh, this week we had Demarcus Ware. Nice. Steve Weatherford. Nice. What? Former Giants punter? Yes. He was, who could also beat you up. That's he was drinking fair. tequila. Brinson, he could beat you up easy. Yes. Like he's, it was, he wouldn't even have to think twice. He was promoting supplements. Uh, that's not surprising. Yeah. No, he's, he's Jack. He was a really cool dude. We've if been you really had to like, fight him for those supplements, you would lose. We've had six guests so far and all of them have been just outstanding. Like they're cool. They come on. They're watching the game for like 20 or 30 minutes. They chatted up. Uh, Demarcus Ware, uh, you know, cause we were the Cowboys Giants, which we'll talk about right now was on uh, CBS and we, and we were, in fact, Dak Prescott suffered his ankle injury with Demarcus Ware on with us. And, uh, it was pretty, um, Pretty harrowing, I think, for him. He was like, uh, like, what, what do I do here? Um, but, uh, he told us a, uh, a fascinating story when he got there, when he got to Dallas, Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells wanted to draft Sean Merriman and or Marcus Spears. And, um, Jerry overruled him and said, we're taking DeMarcus Ware. And, um, when he got there, Parcells looked at him and said, you know, I coached Lawrence Taylor. I don't think you're a Lawrence Taylor. I think you're a rec league guy. And, uh, and then ended up being dead wrong, but that's okay. Cowboys 37, Giants 34. Giants cover the plus seven and a half, the over. E easily hit yet again on a Cowboys game. And I mean, look, the story, the biggest story around the NFL, frankly, 
in a crazy week. I mean, the Raiders, you know, tons of crazy upsets, tons of wild games, but nothing is bigger than Dak Prescott suffering what I, I have to assume is a season ending ankle injury, even though they haven't actually called it that, right? It sounds like it's, it, it will be, but again, we don't know. I think JLC reported that it probably is and that he's having surgery. On Sunday night, we saw a, a tweet from his brother of his brother and Dak already in the hospital. Dak was in the hospital bed. So it looks like they're moving in that direction. They're moving quickly. And, uh, dude, I, I would just implore number one, you feel terrible for Dak. And clearly Jerry Jones was emotional about it. He was hugging people in the, in the box. Uh, I don't know what was going through his mind, but it just makes you wonder how he feels about the whole con- contract situation. But, uh, I implore networks, people on Twitter, please quit putting these gruesome injuries in my face. I don't want to see it. I saw it live. That was enough. Why would you sit there, screenshot something, and send it out and have to stare at it and, you know, and be surprised? It should be marked as uh, content could make you feel terrible about yourself before you click it open. But, yeah, obviously terrible news for Dak. He was crying as he left the field. You certainly understand why. His teammates were freaking out. You understand that. And, you know, I don't want to say the season was lost because the season was teetering already. I mean, they play in a terrible division. So that's a, that's a big deal. Um, I think they're, are they tied for, I don't know. Are they tied for first place in first place? They're in first, first place. place by themselves, Ryan. <laughs> at two and three. The season's not lost at all. Uh, no, no, no. This is not about Andy Dalton. This is not about Andy Dalton. We'll get to Andy Dalton in a minute. You guys talk Dak Prescott. We'll come to me for the Andy Dalton talk. So Dak took off on a run and he was tackled like kind of from behind and from the side. And as oh, he was Ryan. going down, his ankle rolled up underneath the other player and you can like he lands and immediately has this look on his face. That's just different than other injuries. And he's like waving and pointing at his ankle. And it looked like it almost looked like his like leg had been deflated and his foot was sticking at a just completely different ankle. And there was just, it, it was just one of those injuries that you just knew immediately that this is going to be really bad and, and thing, it escalated. You know, the cart comes out on the field. He's got to be carted off. You know, they put him in an air cast. You know, it's not some high ankle sprain. As you point out, Ryan, Jerry Jones is up there hugging, uh, people in the booth. Jerry Jones issued a statement that was like, you know, like this man has, you know, overcome so much adversity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like it was just a, you know, a lengthy, like heartfelt statement. And there was an outpouring of support from people on, on Twitter, um, you know, who, who were saying how much, you know, how, how tough it was, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who just played, send, you know, sending out tweets. It was a tough scene, man. It was absolutely. And I know Ryan talking about the video that was showed, but like, it was absolutely gruesome. It's one of those where if you were allowed to slap a TV rating on it, it would have been TV MA for mature audiences only because his ankle was literally kind of just dangling there. And like, sometimes after I see it on TV, I will rewind it to make sure I knew I know what I saw and I knew what I saw the first time. I did not need to see it again. I actually think Tony Romo started choking up a little bit uh, talking about the injury, obviously very close with Dak knows him from their time with the Cowboys. And that's how bad it was. Cause as soon as it happened, everyone knew it was a career or, or a season ender. And, and career, so career altering potentially. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, you, you never know how someone's going to bounce back from an injury like that because it's a long rehab process and, uh, you know, in a pandemic, you're, you're already isolated when you're trying to recover from an injury and you throw in the fact that you're going to be doing it in the middle of a pandemic that adds another layer of isolation. Like it's not going to be easy and you definitely feel sorry for Dak Prescott. I think, 
well, if there's good news, and this is speculative because I'm not a doctor and I wasn't in the room and I don't know what happened to him, but it looked like a, they they said it was an ankle, it was a fractured ankle, right? So yeah, that, it, it, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a compound compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle. Right, and so that in general terms is better than what happened the 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 leg injury, the lower leg injury that Alex Smith suffered, and obviously Alex Smith's issues oh, were, yeah. with the, were with the infection that ensued, but th- this by all accounts, isn't a career-threatening one, but obviously it looks like his season's over. And then the question becomes, when will he be ready? Will it, will it be September or, or whenever? But it sounds like he, he should, you know, hopefully make a full recovery, and it won't be the, the complications that Alex Smith faced um, that was, you know, obviously also very serious. Yeah. And it looks like the recovery timetable, according to ESPN, is four to six months. Okay. So, I mean, that's that sounds like great news. All things considered. Now, obviously, you don't want him to get injured, but in terms of his career resuming, it sounds like four to six months is you can you can work with that. So you're All looking right, at so, between February and April, right? right so look, we'll get to Andy Dalton in one second, but I think it warrants asking the question. You know, and I, like you hate to bring it up, but I mean it's reality. Did should Dak Prescott have taken what the Cowboys offered him? No. Should Jerry Jones have paid him eighteen months ago and saved himself seven million dollars a year? I mean, we could do this all day. Uh, I'm just, no, I'm just saying like, do you, do we think, I, and I don't, I don't think that this will drastically affect Dak's, um, asking price. The Cowboys can't negotiate with him until after the season anyway, cause he was franchise tag. Um, what did we settle on that he was going to get? 37, something like that? 35? If he gets tagged again? No, 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 no. no, no. What, what's, what's his contract? What did he turn down? I don't even remember. 35, between 35 and 37. So. Is he in line for 37 plus? Is that where, that's, is that the starting point going into 2021? Do you, do we think that this will drastically alter what he'll be able to get from the Cowboys? No. In terms of a Cause here's what I'll say. If, um, the, the, the Bears, the Jaguars have an opportunity to sign Dak Prescott, the Patriots, assuming Cam Newton doesn't work out for whatever reason, the Bears and the Jaguars and potentially the Patriots are, are going to pay him 37, I feel like. I, I will say that I, and Brinson just asked if it would affect what he got from the Cowboys. And I do think there's a scenario where it does. If the Cowboys yeah. go 11 and five, okay. I think that makes Jerry Jones say in his head, no, I just think it says, Hey, look, all right. We don't need to give Dak $40 million. We'll give him this settle offer. Down, How about seven, eight more? Yeah. Let's settle down. No, 11. I'm not saying I'm not. You just said it. It's my worth their first game. You asked for a scenario where Dak Prescott might not get real, much sorry, from the Cowboys. And I'm saying that scenario, John. if they finish, with a winning record and win the division, I could see Jerry Jones talking himself into saying, Oh, you know what? We're going to offer Dak 35 million because we have, you like, we did Everyone. okay without him because we did okay without but, him. Wait a second. Andy Dalton has done a one year deal. So what's plan B? Resign well, Andy that's Dalton? what I'm saying. Cause Andy Dalton's going to be a free agent too, but th- I am saying that's where Jerry Jones could talk him into talk himself into not offering $40 million per year. But like you said, Wilson, uh, you know, if the Cowboys hesitate at all with this during the offseason because they're worried about his injury, there's going to be plenty of teams lining up to get him. So in the end, it's not going to hurt him, you know, if he hits free agency. Uh, but if he wants to stay with the Cowboys, it'll be interesting. It would be very interesting to see how that negotiation plays out. Okay. So it is October 12th. Four months from now is February, middle of February. Six months from now is a problematic timeline. Oh, it's a horrible time for a, for your quarterback because you have to make at some point. Wait, in, is it for a bad timeline for the Cowboys or for Dak? I, do, I don't. I oh. don't. I think just the Cowboys, but I, in theory, I so. maybe Dak too. Because, yeah. well, let's say his let's say he has a setback in his recovery, 
and it ends up taking six. But here's the thing. This isn't a Tua situation in terms of the hip. You don't know. It's more like an ACL situation. You know how this is going to play out, and the doctors have a much better idea. My point is just that, that, that he will probably not be done with his rehabilitation from this injury by the time that the Cowboys have to make a decision about yeah. whether or not to franchise tag him. Oh, my God. Well, and that's what it comes down to. If the Cowboys want him, they just franchise tag him and don't worry about uh, – you know, What's assume- that price tag? Assume he's going to recover thirty-seven million, just over oh, okay. thirty-seven million, and that's that's what you do for one. You're going to give him a thirty-seven million one-year fully guaranteed deal without knowing for sure if he's healthy, and this is a long way down the road. I realize that. I'm just saying that is extre- the timeline is extremely problematic. What's this year? Thirty-three, so seventy million over two years. Yes. All right. Well, and that's the flip side. What if uh, if you don't? You but know, if you don't tag him and he goes to free agency, he might get fifty million dollars from some team. At least thirty-seven. All I'm saying is that. The timeline of this injury, at least from what we know right now and the severity of it, calls into question his long-term future with the Cowboys unless yeah. the two sides are willing to find some sort of common ground. Uh, and they weren't able to do that when he was healthy, so it is It seems less likely that they will be willing to do that. Although maybe Dak Prescott's willing to say, hey, look, I want to take what you, <laughs> what you offered last time. Um, yeah. Who knows? So, yeah, Dak's future very much up in the air. Uh, long, short term, not. He's out, yeah, probably going to miss the entire season and long term future, uh, very much up in the air. I do wonder if they will put him on IR. Remember, they didn't do that with Romo. If they were like, like desperate for Romo. Yeah, I don't different. know if you guys checked, but I had to check. Do you know who the backup quarterback is without looking? Uh, Kellen Moore. Yeah, maybe. Appreciate I do, I do not follow the Cowboys closely. I do not know. I think it's, you know what? I don't know why I didn't realize this until right now, but the reason you turned into Breach Bot 3000 is because oh, of Andy Dalton. Yeah, we, we blew Oh that. my God, I'm a moron. I'm like, I'm like, the Cowboys. Cult, 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 cult. And Breach is like, I love the Cowboys. They're great. When I made uh, the Cowboys my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl, I didn't know it was going to be Andy Dalton that was going to lead them there. I mean, this is just, did. this is just, uh, an added bonus for me. Is this the happiest day of your life? Dak Prescott it, it flying not, in the hospital It is bed. not the happiest day of my life. Like, I, I really do feel sorry for Dak Prescott, and it is unfortunate. But on the same end, look, the Cowboys made a brilliant decision to sign Andy Dalton. He was out there. The Bears could have signed him. There are plenty of other teams that need <laughs> hey, a quarterback that Reese, could have signed him. Before you start lathering up too much, Ben DiNucci is the backup quarterback, the rookie out of James Madison. Okay, go ahead. All right, well, let me ask you guys this. Is Andy Dalton the best quarterback in the NFC East? No, that's actually, that's, that's not that crazy. That's idiotic. I don't know, Ryan. Five playoff appearances? Well, okay, let me put, let me put it to you this way. How many did he win? Why would you even say that? You're taking Carson Wentz, obviously. But here's the question. I know. That's where he, that's his first talking point. (laughs) He lost to the playoffs five times. (laughs) Top that. Playoff appearances. Playoffs. How would Andy Dalton do behind the Eagles offensive line? Let's start there. Well, it doesn't matter because he doesn't have to play behind the Eagles offensive line. And also he's played behind so many bad lines in Cincinnati that I think he would be, uh, not spectacular, not even good, but like, okay. Look, I think you're, you're a horrible advocate for Andy Dalton as the best quarterback. I'm being in a realist. I'm being a realist. I think that Andy Dalton signing Andy Dalton this offseason is right now at this very moment. A lifeline for a Cowboys season that would be out the window if they hadn't gotten, if they had invested in the backup because probably because they were concerned about Dak Prescott's future. And so would um, you rather have Andy Dalton or Cam Newton? Who's even cheaper than Andy Dalton or Cam Newton, but he wouldn't have come to be Dak's backup. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that, 
Dal- the only reason Dalton signed with the Cowboys is because he was like, this is a weird off season. I want to be closer to home. They have a good backup spot. Uh, I can get some cash right now. And it worked out incredibly well for him. What is their upside with Andy Dalton at quarterback? I think their upside is that, you know, we had, you say 11 and five, I'm going to virtually smack you. Their upside is not is winning the division. They can easily win this division with Andy Dalton as their quarterback that gets them to the playoffs. And that's, it doesn't, that might only be six wins. That might be eight wins. That might be 10 wins, uh, but it is winning the division and they can easily win the division with Andy Dalton. Not easily. They couldn't easily easily win it with Dak Prescott. Yeah. They could easily win it with Dak and they could easily win it with Andy. I feel like you say everything's easy when it's not easy. They have five games against NFC East opponents left. If they just win four of those, they're up they to were six on wins. pace to lose. They should have division. lost to the Giants, but they didn't with, with Dak out there. The Giants had two two touchdowns called back because of really weird uh, penalties. I didn't even quite understand them. But um, and Daniel Jones had a strip sack fumble that went the other way, but that's not unusual. But yeah, so I don't <laughs> think it's easy. I just think that Andy Dalton's a good backup to have without question, and I'm. Give me a hard time, but I actually wanted the Steelers to sign him as a backup in Pittsburgh just in case Roethlisberger's arm fell off, which is still a possibility. Yeah, um, I, just, I, I just don't think – Meanwhile, Brent's is taking pictures uh, of stuff with his phone. It, usually if a team loses their quarterback for the entire season, you can write them off for the year. It's over. But with the Cowboys, that's not the case. And Andy Dalton gives them a fighting chance to win the NFC East. Also not the case with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges last year. Just And also we lost at least one listener. Remember that guy who tweeted us a couple weeks ago, Brenton? And he said, I'm not listening to this podcast anymore. Freach keeps talking about Andy Dalton. <laughs> oh, boy, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a dagger for you, buddy. This, it's really a dagger for all of us. This this is a worst case scenario. I mean, of the of the people who lost the most today, um, you know, one A and one B are probably Ryan Wilson and I, because we have to listen to Breach talk about Dak every. I mean, about uh, uh, uh Andy Dalton every week, and then you know, three somewhere down there is probably Dak. Yeah. Um, I they can win the division. They can absolutely win the division. I, I mean, I think easy is is probably fair. Even they're in first no. place right now. They were losing to the Giants. They were down 17 to three with Dak out there. Andy Dalton isn't going to magically fix all. Can Andy Dalton tackle? Can he cover people? Their defense is really bad. Yeah. Let's settle down. And by the way, we'll get to it, but the Carson Wentz Eagles didn't play terribly against the Steelers on Sunday, but they lost Ryan. You know, else lost the Bengals. So the Cowboys are two and three with a negative 17 point differential. The NFC East. Has, oh my good. Is a disaster. They have a combined negative 154 point differential. Let me, let me put this in perspective for everyone. The last place team in the AFC West has a better point differential than the first place team in the NFC East. And that is the one in three Broncos, uh, who have been outscored by 16 points and the Cowboys are in first and they've been outscored by 17 points. On the year. Yeah, that's not great. That is absolutely incredible. All right. Um, anything else on these? Look, the, ca- no. the division's so bad the Cowboys can win it. And Daniel but Jones so has to stop turning the ball frankly, over. The, who? Daniel Jones yes. has to stop turning the yeah. ball over. That's my takeaway on the Giants end. Like, come on, man. Let me, they, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. Because this came up on the Twitch stream, and Adam Azer was adamant about this. And we'll get to, we'll get to this with another team as well. But in the event that the Giants finished with the worst record in professional football. Yes. Yeah, that's every team. Name a team. They, they just they, drafted they, Daniel Jones. 
It does not matter. Name a team. I don't care who it is. The Arizona Cardinals get the first pick. Yes, you take Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) The Seattle Seahawks get the first pick. Yes, you take Trevor Lawrence. I can do this all day. The Green Bay Packers get the first pick. Yes, you take Trevor Lawrence. And have three quarterbacks. Have three first-round pick quarterbacks. (laughs) But no first-round pick wide receivers. Can you imagine a roster with three first-round pick quarterbacks and no first-round pick wide receivers? Well, Jordan Love is a fifth-round safety anyway. So That's right, as we concluded a couple weeks ago. All right, what's next? Let's go. Uh, by the way, CD Lamb, awesome. He's and yes, great. Daniel Jones needs to stop turning the ball over. He is, he is. The offensive uh, line. Listen, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, the, the rookie, uh, played better today as a receiver than he did as a left tackle. Yeah. He got and, a and one more thing on Andy Dalton. I think a lot of people who didn't watch him a lot because he played for the Bengals and a lot of people don't watch the Bengals because they're the team that goes to only 2% of the country. He made two great throws on that last drive, especially the laser to the sideline to Michael Gallup. Laser. That, that, well, that's as good as an Andy Dalton throw as you'll see. It required two epic catches by Michael Gallup. So. <laughs> he, he had to put him in a spot where the defender couldn't get it. They're playing – the Giants are playing a defense to stop anything deep, and Dalton got it in there. Give the quarterback some credit, guys. I guarantee you Breach gave this speech in the bathroom mirror at least ten times. Can we please move on? Breach, right, is, Cowboys Breach has been on the phone with, like, uh, EK, our, our podcast – the podcast czar all evening, demanding that we change the name of the podcast to one more thing about Andy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> You made me snort, Breach. The uh, carrot top cannon. All right, let's move on. Rams 30, Washington 10. The Rams minus seven covers the under 44 and a half hits. Jared Goff, your top face for former 28 points. Daryl Henderson, Charlotte Vegas, a laugh, laugh, last laugh on Jamie Eisenberg as Daryl Henderson scored uh, 18 fantasy points because he was the start of the week last week and had 22 rushing yards. And then this week against a much better defensive team, he had 18 fantasy points. Robert Woods got a long touchdown, but more importantly, because this is a bloodbath, and the Rams rolled. Alex Smith made his return to professional football. Um, Dwayne Haskins benched and uh, and and placed it third on the depth chart. Kyle Allen starts for the Washington football team. Allen gets hurt, leaves the game, and they are forced to bring Alex Smith in, who had not played football since a devastating leg injury. Uh, back when the the Washington football team was trying to win the division, as Ryan and I correctly predicted before the season. And then, I got to tell you, that was terrifying. You yeah, they for, kept show, I was going to say, they kept showing his wife. Yeah. And I honestly felt like, uh, you know, she's nervous. I feel like that's how everyone felt watching Alex Smith play. Every time he took a hit, like I was, I, I don't think I've had that much anxiety watching a professional football player on the field taking hits in my entire life. Every time it happened, he got sacked, what, like four or five, six times? He got sacked a lot, and it was nerve-wracking every single time. What, Wilson? You know who wasn't anxious about Alex Smith taking a hit? Aaron Donald. Do you see what he said on the sidelines? What did he say? His leg's strong enough to take the hits that I'm putting on him. I think Donald had three and a half sacks or something. He said that? Something to that effect. They have sideline footage of him saying that. And the one thing about that, and this was my one Alex Smith takeaway, is I I feel like in the end, taking those sacks is going to help him mentally. Because I feel like he had to be thinking in the back of his head, like, oh, my God, that first hit. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And all of a sudden, you get sacked six times in two quarters, and you walk out of the game, and and your whole body's functioning correctly. All right, I can do this. I can make this comeback happen. So, uh, you know, just to get over that mental barrier, I feel like it it wasn't the worst thing for Alex Smith to be taking, you know, Deal with this. So there's no doubt about it. I mean, he is the slam dunk comeback player of the year, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what the next player would have to do in order to – I mean, Andy Dalton, I guess, if Andy Dalton throws for 50 touchdowns, he'll still come in second place. 
By the way, Aaron, Aaron Donald even if he said he doesn't play that, another game this year. Aaron Donald said that mother effing leg is strong. That's there amazing. we go. Yeah. 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 That first play when Smith came in and, and Donald comes around behind him and just like engulfs him. You're like, Oh no. I mean, I, I they kept, as Breach points out, they kept coming to his wife and it was like watching her was like watching uncut gems over again. Oh, right? Just like, like just pure anxiety, just being shot directly into your veins where you know, and she's there like, and her kids are yelling like, mom, 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 dad's in the game, dad's in the game. She's like, you can tell she's going to be like, shut up, shut up. Your father's out there and I don't know if they'll survive. And this That's is the same problem. woman that had to figure out, you know, she had a, some part to play when he was having those serious injuries that, okay, there's a 30% chance that if he keeps his leg, he may not be in great shape when they're doing, he had the 17 surgeries over the span of whatever year and a half it was. So she's been through a lot, not nearly sure. as much as Alex, but pretty, pretty freaking close. So yeah, clearly a lot of emotions going through her. And I, I sort of, like Breach said, I think everyone but Aaron Donald felt that way. I, part of me thought, okay, maybe the Rams will take it easy, quote unquote, as much as you can on, on Alex Smith because you know his story. But again, I refer you to Aaron Donald's comments and, and he was like, he's like, no, he's out there. He's fair game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. Like it's not a, I saw somebody tweet this, but it's not a Disney movie, you know, Mm-mm. like, like you don't have to just give like, all right, Alex Smith, welcome back. Here's a free win. I mean, you don't do that. The Rams are playing to win. You're out there playing football. You're running the risk of doing it. I think that, you know, and, and by the way, Dwayne Haskins wasn't even at the stadium. He was had some sort of bug, like bug that he came up with. Non COVID mm-hmm. bug, according to JLC and others. Yeah. Jamie Donaldson of the team announced. I just think. Responsible to leave Kyle and Alex Smith out there. What do you mean? Who else are you gonna put out there? You 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 bench the the, first, the starter. I'm just saying, maybe have another option when when you're back up. Yeah, he was at home throwing up. Uh, find somebody, add some signs. Find somebody. somebody. <laughs> I mean, what happened if Allen was out? And I mean, if Smith gets hurt, eh, could have been you bad. Bring Dwayne back, but I don't think Dwayne's gonna see the field again. JLC reported on Sunday morning that um, Dwayne Haskins is on the trading block. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if he gets a fourth round pick at this point. Like who's given, no one's given a third round pick for Dwayne Haskins. There have been questions about his study habits and his work ethic and all that. And I, again, I say this all the time. Those things come out after the guy gets benched to make, to sort of explain why you're benching the guy. I don't they don't know come how, out during the off season when he's like, when people right. are talking about height. The off season conversation was, Oh, he's lost 15 pounds. He's in great shape. So right. I don't know. I, don't I would know. give up a third round pick for him if I was like Bill Belichick. Yeah. Just resign Cam. Take your chances. Um, yeah, but if you were trading for a quarterback, would you rather have Dwayne Haskins or Sam Darnold? Darnold. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Like the Colts should give up a third round pick for Sam Darnold right now. Oh boy. I would give up a third round pick for either of them though. Just I think you get more than that for Sam. Although Sam, look, Sam hasn't played well and it's not all Adam Gase. He's made some dumb decisions. But if you're alluding to your boy being washed and Felipe Rivers, I think you're onto something. Unnecessary shot. I'm just saying the Colts will be. I mean, why would the Colts trade for him? Philip Rivers is fine. He's got. Is he a one year? He's a two year deal. Locking up up a long term asset, man. Got Jacoby Brissett, half a dozen. (laughs) Gerald Everett, by the way, four catches, ninety yards. Jared Goff, twenty one to thirty, three hundred nine, two touchdown passes, a pick, and an inability to spike the football. Kyle Allen and uh, Alex Smith, nine of thirteen and nine of seventeen for seventy four and thirty seven yards respectively. Boy, the Washington football team didn't do a whole lot in this game. Jared Goff started the game 10 to 10 for 141 yards. He was on fire, except for the spike. I think we say it every, we say it every week. I think this is the Sean McVay, uh, Jared Goff, don't sleep on us tour. Cause last year I was especially guilty of this. Like, okay, 
these guys, they've slipped a little bit. Jared Goff can't be fixed by a fantastic offensive mind in Sean McVay, and they have proven uh, me and others wrong. And they could very easily be undefeated. They, you know, they were down big to the Bills, but they had a chance to win that game, depending on how you feel about the, the, the defense pass interference called the end. And they're they're playing really well, and they were very close it. to being tied for first place, if not for what happened at the end of that Sunday night football game. That's right. Um, they are four and one, right behind the Seahawks in that division. The car, the Cardinals, and uh, the Forty Nine ers struggling. Seattle, though, not struggling. They are undefeated. Five weeks into the year, Russell Wilson marched down the field, ninety-six yard scoring drive to defeat the Vikings, twenty-seven to twenty-six. Unbelievable! Look, Pete Prisco and my. I have an argument with Pete Prisco about this. We're like, or they were like, Russ, MVP. He's like, he was average. He was okay. It's like, I mean, he wasn't great. Like, he didn't have a monster elite game, but that drive at the end, he I was, mean, that was, he played ter- terribly by Russ Sanders in the first half. He was 10 of 10. Like, even when he sucks, he's good. So yeah, he wasn't Russ fantastic, but when you're terrible and go 10, like, when is the last time Kirby Cousins has played terribly and been 10 of 10, uh, on his first 10 attempts? Never. Right. Uh, that was the, 30th game-winning drive since Russell's debut in 2012, passing Matthew Stafford for the most in the NFL per ESPN stats and info. That's the 14th win by the Seahawks since the start of the last season in a one-possession game. I think they have 12 straight one-possession wins or something like that. It's crazy. It is. You know, and, and the thing is, I think the the big play that a lot of people are debating on Twitter and talking about is whether or not Mike Zimmer should have gone for it Uh Vikings are up 26 to 21. You have the first play after the two minute warning is a fourth and one from Seattle's six yard line. And the Vikings went for it. I don't know how you guys felt. I'm a field goal guy. I didn't, I just feel like if you're playing the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, you want to be up as many points as possible, especially if you go up eight, only two things are going to happen. Either you stop them or the game goes to overtime. So. You're not losing in regulation. And plus, even if they get the touchdown, you know, they still have to get the two pointer. So it's not like neither of those things are gimmies. Uh, it, it was one of those very, very interesting calls. And I think the analytics was pretty split on it because it was so close that it didn't increase their win percentage enough that you just mm-hmm. go with whatever your gut feels. Um, yeah, I thought- they did. They, you said they're not gimmies, the touchdown and the, and the two point conversion. They got it. That's exactly what happened. So I, I don't know if you're saying you would have gone for it or they, not. They actually didn't get the two point conversion, Ryan. Oh, they didn't. He should have caught it. <laughs> Who dropped that ball? Is that DK again? Uh, DK. He did drop it. But, uh, okay. Fair enough. I dunked on myself on that one after you dunked on me. <laughs> but I will say this. I was fine with them going for it because, uh, number one, they've been running all over the Seattle Seahawks all night and coming into that game, according to DVOA, the Seahawks D was six. Which sounds crazy because their D sucks against the pass. They were 29th, I think. But, uh, Dalvin Cook early and then he went with the groin injury. Then at Madison just picked up right where he left off. They had no answers. So I, I, again, they ran 41 times for 4.9 yards per rush. You can, you should be able to get one yard. It was actually less than a yard. I think if you, you measured well, it Madison out, Madison screwed it up. He ran right into his blocker yeah, and he got, and the right. blocker got pushed back. If, if he'd, he'd gone to his right a little bit, if he bounces My- outside at all, it's a touchdown. My argument to the 4.9 yards per rush would be that when the Seahawks were fresh, that's when the Vikings struggled. So, like, coming out of halftime, the Vikings struggled to run the ball. And, you know, then after that, I think the Vikings went three and out on their first two drives after halftime. 
then boom, the Vikings were pounding the ball. But in this instance, the fourth one was after the two minute warning. So the, the Seahawks defense got a breather. They got rested and they knew the Vikings were going to run up the middle. You, you like you, they could have done something creative. I mean, I know they're doing 4.9 yards, but again, uh, anytime the Seahawks had fresh legs in this game, they were making the stop. I understand uh, kicking it there, but I'm fine with it going for it. You should be able to get a yard in the NFL. That's all I'm saying, especially the way they treated that defense for most of the game. Zimmer said after the game, I told him in the headset, this would be a Chad Graff on Twitter, I told him in the headset, we didn't come here for this, let's go win it. I, I get it either way, because if you kick, you are forcing Russell Wilson to go down and score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion. It's a lot to do. You're not going to lose in, in regulation, as Bruce noted. Um, if you, I don't know, I just, I, I'll tell you this. I had multiple parlays. <laughs> hinging on the Seahawks money line. And and what did you want him to do? Kick. <laughs> there you go. That, that's all you need to know. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. That's um, hilarious. But you know why? Because you, you couldn't envision a situation where the Seahawks, I mean, the, the Vikings wouldn't convert that. I thought they would convert it and get a touchdown and then the game would be over. Or they, like they would get the first down and take a knee and the yeah. game would be over either way. I think they had the Seahawks had one timeout left and it had been 154, 157 or whatever. So kick it with 15 seconds left or whatever it ended up being. Yeah. Look, I mean, and Seattle needed, you know, Russell had the fourth and 10 late oh where he gosh. threw up a prayer and DK Metcalf went up and snagged it. Not they only did DK Metcalf snag it, Cameron Dancer, the rookie cornerback seemed to be running in a fashion that someone runs when they're not playing football. There's out for a jog. <laughs> like he just kept going down the sidelines. I don't know what happened there. And he hadn't played terribly that uh, on Sunday night. But, yeah, DK made that catch. And then he dropped the ball in the end zone a few plays later. Like, DK DK is so hot and cold. Like, he will blow your mind with with a catch, and then he'll do something, like, stupid, like have the ball punched out at the one-yard line or drop that ball in the end zone after he caught it. But then he came back again and made the game-winning catch. So you can't fault him. He's he's awesome. A 39-yard gain on fourth and 10, though, that that was – And the fact that the everything with the Seahawks is so – every primetime game is just – Nerve wracking. Absolutely. Whether it's the fail Mary, the batted ball against the Lions a few years ago, like the, the Patriots Seahawks game, I think that went down to the, to the one yard line. Like literally every time the Seahawks play at night, it's going to be just bat poop crazy. Worst interception on Sunday night football. The Kirby Cousins one, the one handed grab by KJ Wright, I believe, or the one, I, I don't know what Russ is looking at. He threw it down the sidelines to, to Wilson. I thought Russell was throwing it away. He did a terrible job of gauging where the out, the out of bounds was. Well, I'll say that Kirk Cousins is worse because Russell's, um, Chris Carson was shoved out of bounds by the defender and therefore couldn't come back and touch the ball. And the defender did a good job of turning around and coming back to get it. I think Russell was throwing to where he thought Chris Carson was going to be. Kirk Cousins just, just was made a horrible throw. Russell's was more surprising, but Cousins was worse. And it came out at a horrible time because, you know, the Vikings went into halftime up 13 nothing, And then the Seahawks yeah, take like three and out fumble and then pick. And all of a right. sudden it was just like, what? Like, like, and then the lead, very next play was Chris Carson running over everyone on that team on his way to the end zone. Correct. If you went to the bathroom, like right before halftime or like right, and then you came back, like the game, it might be 21 to 19. Her, her cousins the went C- to the, the bathroom. The Seahawks literally scored three touchdowns in under two minutes of game time. That is correct. All right, let's move along. Seahawks best team in football. Uh, after that game, I don't know. Right, I was actually thinking that if they, I was assuming they were going to lose until the end there, and I was going to have to say the Packers probably are the best team right now. Not the Bills. 
And the Bills are in the conversation. I was thinking NFC, but yeah. Not the Titans. You always forget about the Titans like Titans. they don't exist. The Titans are going to have to forfeit three games for each, so they're not going to be undefeated. undefeated, Ryan. They're going to go 3-0 and and get the number one seed in the AFC. That's their plan. <laughs> that would be awesome. Come on. Titans and the Cowboys Super Bowl. Breach will be unbearable. <laughs> Panthers 23, Falcons 16. Uh, as you may be well aware of, Dan Quinn fired after this game. We have a separate, uh, 15 minute Dan Quinn, uh, emergency fire, fire, Dan Quinn fired emergency podcast in the feed that you can check out. We will touch on it here, of course, but we don't want to totally disparage the Panthers who played pretty well. They covered the plus two and a half, the under 53 and a half hit. Teddy Bridgewater, 24 fantasy points. Mike Davis, 20. Todd Gurley, 20. The Falcons are off to an 0 and 5 start for the first time since 1997. It resulted in Quinn getting canned, uh, 43 and 42, including two playoff trips and that disastrous Super Bowl situation. Uh, they started one and seven last year and he was nearly fired, but, uh, Arthur Blank, Arthur Blank brought him back and decided he could not do it, uh, after these five weeks. Can you possibly imagine again, Adam Gase? Still having a job with two coaches being fired. No. No. Here we are. I will say I also, this. I also can't imagine that the, the Panthers were 0-2 with Christian McCaffrey. Then they lost him. Oh, breach. Like, I was just getting ready to make that point. You, How dare you? Go stealing ahead. points from you. I'm sorry, Ryan. And then they lost him, and nobody thought they're going to be 0-5, you know? And now they're undefeated since McCaffrey has been out. It's insane. That's a terrible point. I never would have made that point. I know. 3-2. and 3-0 without McCaffrey. I will say this, Robbie Anderson, a really good player. Like, we spent the offseason talking about, all right, who's Teddy Bridgewater going to throw to? Yeah, he's going to throw to Robbie Anderson. And are, DJ Moore finally showed up. Are the Panthers good? Yes. I think they might be good. I said it on, on the um, emergency pod, but uh, you feel like they're buying into what Matt Rule is, is wanting to do. And no one really knew. They're getting that huge deal. Uh, owner Dave Tepper did. And we're like, okay, well, yeah, Matt Rule is a rah-rah guy, and, and the college kids seem to love him. How does that translate? And it was sort of weird with Cam when he came in because, you know, he said I had to make sure I didn't tell every player that I wanted to keep him because I can't keep everybody. This isn't college. And um, I don't know what the relationship is with him and Cam, but clearly Cam's in New England now. They had to cut him. And Teddy Bridgewater is playing out of his mind. Joe Brady, the 30-year-old offensive coordinator, who I think with the William Mary, is doing a fantastic job after last year's amazing run with LSU. So things are coming together. And I think the biggest question mark wasn't even – Matt Rule of the offense is the defense, and that young defense is actually playing well too. So, um, they're second second place in the division, tied first with the first place. Fir- oh, they are! Wow, because the Buccaneers have lost twice, so they're the Panthers are tied with the Bucks, right? Tied. There we go. And the Saints will play on on Monday night. Yeah, man, who would have thought? Crazy. It's crazy, man. Um, we saw Brian Burns had another sack. He's playing really well. Derek Brown is a stud. Jeremy Chin is really good. Yitter Gross Matos. I mean, they they appear to have found three impact core rookie defensive players in the draft in their first three with their first three picks of the draft. That is to go along with Brian Burns last year. That's enormous. Huge. So two edge rushers. Uh, immovable defensive tackle, and then a chess piece that you can move wherever you want to move in Jeremy Chan. Um, yes. Pretty good. This, a, this might be a playoff team. That'd be kind of cool. I'd like that. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll rip through the rest of the games. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, 
Clutch Athletics and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, so... Raiders and Chiefs. A shocking outcome for the Las Vegas Raiders defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 40 to 32, uh, causing, I guess unsurprisingly, guys. And by the way, if you want to watch this podcast on YouTube, you can see John Breach, who has changed. John Breach is like the Mike Zimmer of this podcast. The first half, he was wearing no headphones, and now he is wearing headphones. Did you guys notice that on Sunday night? No, I didn't. I thought Zimmer changed. He changed. He was wearing a face shield in the first half. Wow. He came back out in the second half. Was wearing a mask. Should have kept the face shield on because the second half didn't go so hot. Yeah, I, he the, back. I don't. I can't. I couldn't wear that face shield. I'd much rather wear a mask. Why? I mean, you can yell at the officials. You don't have to rip your mask off and get fined a hundred thousand dollars. Feel weird wearing like a face shield. I like a mask. See it. I like a. I like. I like. Uh, I like a mask. Okay. What do you think? Do you think we'll wear a mask on planes for the rest of the time? I'm fine with it. At this point, I'm fine with it. I'm used yep. to it. And you know what I like about it? I don't have to smile at people. I don't have to like laugh at their stupid jokes. I can just keep my face as it is behind the mask. I will say I, that I, it I is dis- laugh at stupid jokes. Ryan, you're just a grumpus. It's disappointing not to see Adam Gase's face on Sundays. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, Raiders 40, Chiefs 32. The Raiders plus 10 and a half Griffin coverage. Griffin is over. trying to not talk about this game. The over- 30-minute <laughs> apology to the Carr family. Hey, look, I got lit up by Raiders fans like, oh, suck it, Princeton. Now you got to go on your podcast and talk about how great the Raiders are. And the Raiders uh, covered the over as well. Patrick Mahomes, 33 fantasy points. Derek Carr, 29. Henry Ruggs, 17. That snaps the Chiefs franchise record 13-game win streak, including the regular season and the postseason. The most points the Chiefs have allowed at home since 2013 when Andy Reid got there. The Raiders snap a five-game losing streak to the Chiefs and a seven-game road losing streak in Kansas City. It's a first win by the Raiders at Arrowhead since week eight of 2012. Andy Reid has owned this Raiders team, and they finally got the best of them. They'd lost their last three games by a combined 81 points. Um, Not great. No. 40 points, that's the most in a game in Kansas City in regulation since 1967. 490 yards from the, the Raiders. They're most in a game in Kansas City since 1977. That's how long ago I was four years old. My goodness. Derek Carr, you go and look at his next-gen stat page. Fallen. It doesn't look like Derek Carr, man. Oh. Multiple vertical touchdown shots. You just don't see that from him. He played really well. He threw the ball downfield aggressively. John Gruden called an awesome game. The Raiders' defense played surprisingly well, especially up front. 
What if John Great Gruden game for the calls, Raiders. What if John Gruden actually calls an awesome game every week, but Derek Carr's never been taking shots downfield, so we just never knew? And this was because, look, no one expected this. You don't see Derek Carr take shots downfield, especially not multiple shots downfield. So I don't know if it's because uh, John Gruden's just been going over, knocking on Derek Carr's front door because they live next to each other in Las Vegas, and he's like, look, man, you got to throw the ball downfield, or I'm going to go crazy, and that's the only way we're going to make Chiefs. And they did that. I mean, we mentioned the – Going into this game, the Raiders had one play the entire season of 40 or more yards. They had four plays of 40 more yards or more yards against the Chiefs. And this was a Chiefs defense we had been talking about through the first four weeks that maybe they were for real now. It was always uh, Mahomes having to carry them, and it looked like, hey, this defense had turned the corner. And now you just gave up 40 points to the Raiders. Derek Carr played out of his mind. His biggest weakness was not throwing it downfield. Ms. Brinson mentioned that next-gen chart says maybe he has the ability to throw it downfield. He, he, he can make all the throws. He just doesn't pull the trigger. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why either, but he had more average yards per attempt than Patrick Mahomes in this game. And that's something that no one ever thought they would say. Here's the second half possessions for the, the Chiefs. Punt, 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 interception, and then finally a touchdown at the end when it didn't matter. Yeah. Derek Carr averaged 11.2 yards per attempt. I, I will say that like, and I mentioned the, 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 um, the Raiders defense. It, you know, you point out those, they had five, the Chiefs had five possessions in the second half. It's not a ton. They punted on three of them. Only one drive went over 20 yards. And that was the 78 yard touchdown drive. And not like it was meaningless, but you sort of felt like, okay, you know, the Raiders have got this covered. I mean, the, I, I just, I was floored by how well the Raiders defense played in the second half. Yeah, that was completely unexpected because the Chiefs put up 24 points in the first half. It looked like it was going to be a shootout. Like the final score was going to be 58 to 52. Then all of a sudden, Kansas City couldn't move the ball on the Raiders in the second half. They punted their first three times. Mahomes threw an interception. And you could argue that only score was a garbage time touchdown. I mean, the Chiefs were still in it because they, if they get the onside kick, maybe they tie the game. But it was more or less a garbage time touchdown. And, uh, it was surprising to see the Raiders defense play so well. Cause I think even the Raiders would admit that their defense hasn't been that great, but they were great in the second half of this game. You know that uh breach loves fun facts. Well, I have an amazing fact to Trump breaches fun fact. Oh, come on. This is Pat Mahomes. I can't call him that. Patrick Mahomes first career lost by more than seven points. That's fantastic. Is that right. Isn't that bonkers? That's bananas. B A N A N A S. Um, Derek Carr said, I've taken a lot of sad walks up that ramp. Not today. I'm going to enjoy this one. You know what's crazy? The Raiders scored 40 points in this game. This was only the third time since they drafted Derek Carr in 2014 that they've scored 40 or more points. And that I think that plays into the fact that he doesn't throw downfield. They don't light up the scoreboard. It rarely ever happens. Uh, and so I think you, Gruden's just going to be put, saying this for the rest of the season. Look, man, look what happened. You threw it downfield. We beat the Chiefs. You were better than Patrick Mahomes. So they're game so. behind the Chiefs. Any concerns with the Chiefs? Because Chiefs didn't look great against the Chargers either. Mm. No. I would say division games are just completely bonkers, and it's hard to gauge how good. Breach, on Friday, you and Brinson had convinced me that there's no way that the Raiders are going to win this game because they get their doors blown off by Andy Reid every time they face each other. I mean, they do. Throws downfield. Well, I just, I'm just trying to reconcile that with what you just said about the division games. This is like on Friday, if I said there's no way I can dunk a basketball, and then on Sunday I grew eight inches, 
yeah, something completely unexpected happened. Derek Carr threw the ball downfield. There's more. There's a better chance you growing eight inches than Derek Carr throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, I think exactly. So, <laughs> so I assume that this is updated because you can bet on it right now. William Hill. Uh, by the way, Breach, you couldn't dunk if you grew eight inches right now. <laughs> That's wrong. You could wear eight-inch shoes and you couldn't dunk. I would dunk that. on you. <laughs> there it is. Um, you're not getting a dunk on. The uh, the Chiefs are minus nine hundred to win the division. Raiders six to one. Chargers twenty five to one. Broncos fifty to one. If you had to bet one on one thing, what would you? What are those numbers again? Yeah, minus nine hundred for the Chiefs. So you bet nine hundred dollars to win hundred, or Raiders six to one. I'm going with the, I'm going with the Chiefs. Why would I throw away a hundred bucks on the Raiders? <laughs> I play the Buccaneers and the Browns coming up, so. I don't know. I, I would probably just take the 100 and make it with the Chiefs. I think the Raiders' offense is good. I think John Gruden is a good coach. I think that we have mis, um, whether we have underestimated and unfairly skewered John Gruden at various times on this podcast and elsewhere. And, you know, like, like with Mac Brown at Carolina when he came back, I was skeptical. And I was skeptical when John Gruden came back. I just think those things don't always work out. That was wrong. John Gruden's a good play caller. A really, 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 really good play caller. Paul Gunther's kind of putting it together on defense. I don't know if they have the pieces there. I'm not ready to say that the Raiders are a good football team or like a great football. They're, they're a good football team. I'm not ready to say they're a great football team. I would take the Chiefs to win this division, but that's a huge win, man. That's yeah, and Absolutely. I think that they're probably a playoff team now. If we, if you were, if you were making your picks for the playoffs right now, wouldn't you have the Raiders in? I think you could make that argument. You have your division winners. Let's, let's put the Bills. Do you put the Patriots in? Uh, no, the Patriots are two and two, but I mean they lost to the Seahawks and the Chiefs. So, isn't that right, Chiefs? Well, let me ask you: this. Do you think the Browns are getting in? Well, here's the trouble. I think there are three teams right now in the conversation in the AFC North. Oh, I think all three of those teams in the AFC North will get in. And you still think there's room for the Raiders? Mm, yes. Because right now, if all three teams in the AFC North get in, that leaves one spot, and you have the Raiders, the Colts, and the Patriots fighting for it. And the Ooh. Patriots have the tiebreaker over the Raiders. Oh, the Breach just throws in the Titans. Um, the Titans are winning the division right now. Those Titans are, are terrible. They're going to win the division three now. That's what I actually hope happens. And I hope they they face the 11-5 and five Cowboys in the Super Bowl, as you pointed out. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think it's probably likely that one of Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland sort of trails off a little bit. Well, you just said you thought they were going to get in. Oh, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I mean, whatever. <laughs> you got to make your case. By the way, right. Pittsburgh's strength of schedule on their wins, 0.184. What does that mean? It means they've been pounding bad teams. Oh, right, yeah. Let's go, let's, they let's, haven't even been pounding them. What's they've the Raiders' been. final record? Predict that right now. The three and two. They got games against the Jets, the Dolphins. If you're wrong, you know what happens. The Broncos. Everybody gets uh, a beaker. Let me ask you this. I know these teams faced off in week one, but it feels like a a thousand years ago. Three and two Raiders versus three and two Panthers. Which team is better? I'll still take the Panthers. Okay. That game was close in week one. Panthers have got – yeah, yeah, it was. Um the Raiders are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. That's I think that's the bottom line. And John Gruden has been awesome. Derek, if Derek Carr's throwing down, like, look, this happened with the Chiefs in 2017. 
Alex Smith randomly started throwing down the field because they drafted Patrick Mahomes and he got, he was like, got, just got cranked up. If Derek Carr is throwing down the field, it's a different team. He's done it once in seven years now. So, I mean, will he do it in back to back weeks? We'll see. I mean, that would be a nice evolution, but history says it won't, won't stick. That is his first career win at Arrowhead Stadium, by the way. He, he has averaged for his first six games at Arrowhead 191 passing yards per game. He had 347 in this one, four touchdowns, seven interceptions before, three touchdowns, one interception this time. Averaged 4.9 yards per attempt at Arrowhead. Right. It works. Dolphins 43, 49ers 17. Yowzes. I bid you adieu, Survivor League. For real. Really had a shot there. Uh, the Dolphins absolutely pounded the 49ers. I mean, it's from the get go. Like they jumped out to like a 14 nothing lead. Obviously, the uh, Dolphins plus eight covered the over 50 and a half hit as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 33 fantasy points. Preston Williams, 16 fantasy points. Miles Gaskin, 14 fantasy points. Jimmy Garoppolo was benched. Um, the phrase that I heard bandied about was benched out of an abundance of caution. That's what yeah, Shanahan I think at halftime, Shanahan said yeah. to protect Jimmy, quote unquote. More like Jimmy Garbage Garoppolo. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll be here all night. That was an ugly performance from Jimmy, especially when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick on the other side throwing for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Now, as the only guy in this podcast who picked the Dolphins to win this game, I will say that... Well-known writer, John Breach. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you didn't see it, John Breach, some Dolphins, like, team, like, some Dolphins blog was like, only one person... Uh, pick the Dolphins to win this game. It was well-known CBS sports writer, John Breach. They must listen to the podcast. This is the only reason I'm well-known. Maybe he thought you were your dad. That's, <laughs> that's also possible. But look, the, the, the 49ers are so beat up. They have so many injuries that it was hard to see them uh, putting up a lot of points. And so I, I did think their defense, I didn't think their defense was going to give up 43 points and let Ryan Fitzpatrick run wild over them. Um, so that was pretty surprising, but all of a sudden the 49ers have a lot of holes and it's, it's nothing that can be fixed quickly because, you know, injuries are going to heal when they heal. You can't just say, Oh, this guy is magically going to be back next week. And, you know, they thought the quarterback problem was going to be solved when Jimmy Garoppolo came back. It wasn't. So even if these guys come back from injury, there's no guarantee they're going to look good in their first game back or their first two games back. So all of a sudden you're two and three, you're the 49ers. You're in a lot of trouble because you're in a really good division, and you play the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Packers in your next four games. I will say this. The only thing that was in question in this game was whether Tua Tongabaloa would, would play. He did not play. And I think also, you know, we talk about Alex Smith randomly throwing the ball deep once they got Patrick Mahomes. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't ready to give up the, get the job to Tua because we've been talking about that the last week to 10 days. And, uh, I mean, you're not going to bench the kid after or the old man after what he did uh, to that 49ers team. I think my question about the Dolphins is, are they secretly good? Because, like, they were beating the Bills in the fourth quarter. They were trailing the Seahawks by two points in the fourth quarter. They were trailing the Patriots by three points in the fourth quarter. They've been hanging with all these good teams. They just haven't been able to close, which makes me think that they might be better than I think a lot of us are giving credit for. Well, I mean, Brian Flores – Appears to be a really good coach, and we were talking about um, better than Matt Patricia. 
Yeah. We're talking about guys buying into Matt Rule and what he's selling. It feels like the, the, the Dolphins are doing exactly that. And they have a young team. Uh, they had a really good draft. A lot of those guys are playing already. And, you know, if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't play like a crazy person, you feel like you're always going to be in the game. And so the strength of victory for the Dolphins so far in their two wins is, uh, not exactly stout. Who, who have the Dolphins beat? Why do we think the Dolphins are good? I just told you because they went toe to toe with the Bills, the Seahawks, and the Patriots. Those are all three games they could have won. Oh, oh so, you're, so you, I'm you basing their off losses. losses. I yeah. said, who do they beat? Who cares who they beat? 49ers. Okay. The defending and the Jets. What else do you want? Who's the other win, Breach? They beat the San Francisco 49ers 43. Who is their other win, Breach? You know who didn't put 43 points on the 49ers? Uh, the Cardinals. Anybody else? Who is the Dolphins' other win? Do you not know? Is it Jaguars? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, the yeah. terrible Jaguars. Who they beat your Colts? A... Who beat your Colts? This is a, we're not listening to the Transitive Property Podcast. What are you doing? Well, you're not going to teams win, and I'm just saying. Also a good podcast, by the way. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, look, the Dolphins. Look, the Dolphins might be better than people think. They're frisky. They're. I think they're. I think they're fairly well coached. Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing really well. He has a 10th career game with 350 passing yards and three touchdowns. I'm, I don't, I mean, do you think the Dolphins are like going to make a playoff run? No, I'm not saying it's impossible. And by the way, if the Dolphins get the first overall pick, they're taking Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, that's, that was a good one. All right. So, all right. More likely to make the playoffs, the, uh, two and three Dolphins or the two and three 49ers. Oh boy. Ooh. 49ers are done. Sure does feel that way, doesn't it? Jimmy's I ankle like is better, yeah. an issue. CJ Beathard, as you call him. I mean, I don't think he's a long term answer because he was behind Nick Mullins on the on the depth chart until last week's debacle. This three games back of the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Two games back of the Rams. They're the worst team in that division. Sure. Not necessarily all their fault. But here's their schedule until they're by. Rams at Patriots at Seahawks, Packers at Saints. If they win one game, that'll be a huge achievement, I feel like, right? Now, the good news for them is that uh, I'll say I'll take the 49ers if only because the NFC looks like it's a little more wide open. Um, you know, obviously, you know, two and three would have you in first place in the NFC East. Three and two is first place in the NFC South. The, I, I refuse to like agree that the Bears are going to keep winning these games. Like at some point, the 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 the, the shoe's going to drop. So I think there's a couple of spots where you can, you know, you got to catch the Cardinals and the Rams, but you play those teams. So like I think that's easier than trying to do what the Dolphins would have to do, which is, you know, catch, uh, you know, leapfrog the Pats, catch the Bills, and or walk down the Raiders, Colts. And one of those AFC North teams. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I was going to look at playoff odds. All right, let's keep moving instead. How about that? Dolphins are the 10th spot in the AFC. They just have to get up to seven. So what, what's this Dolphins deal? Where did this come from? Why do you, why, why'd you get on the Dolphins? Yeah, that Dolphins blog is pumping me up on Twitter. I'm just trying to show. Just, well known. Is this the thing where you want to, like, make snowflake jokes all the time? Like, what's the deal here? Oh, you mean, like, snowflake from Ace Ventura? Yeah. That's, that was a YouTube only joke, Brenton. That's right. We said that on YouTube. <laughs> so, does anyone ask why I've been kicked off the halftime show? Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the well, as well known as Breach, apparently. 
to to catch this dolphin, you must sink like this dolphin. All right, moving along. What are, what are we doing here? What is next? Steelers, the Steagles beat the Ste- the Steelers beat the Eagles thirty eight to twenty nine. Steelers covered the minus seven and a half. The over forty four hits. Holy Moses, Clay Claypool, Chase Claypool went nuts. Chess less, Chase less Claypool, as I like to call him. Ben Roethlisberger he had thirty five fantasy points, four touchdowns. Ben Roethlisberger twenty seven fantasy points. Carson Wentz, Travis Fulgham, and Miles Sanders twenty one fantasy points. Uh, Claypool, the first rookie in Steelers history with four touchdowns in the game. The first Steelers rookie with a rush touchdown and a receiving touchdown in the game since Franco Harris in nineteen seventy two. Wilson. How pumped up are you for the Steelers finding yet another unbelievable wide receiver? Love, love, love Chase Claypool. I was actually talking to Miranda McCormick about this. She um, works here in, in um, Stanford. Huge Steelers fan. She went to Penn State. Was she there with you, Debo? She was, right? Yep. And you guys, uh, were you guys friends in college? Yes. Oh. And – she, like me, was not crazy about the idea of taking Chase Claypool in the second round only because there were so many running backs on the board, including J.K. Dobbins, who ended up going to Baltimore. So there's a little trepidation there. Clearly, uh, and this is hard to fathom, um, Kevin Colbert knows more about drafting wide receivers than I do, and uh, it turned out to be the exact right decision. Deontay Johnson, had a con- he left last, last time they played concussion week uh, three, left with the concussion, so he didn't play a lot then. They get a back injury he came out of earlier in the Seagulls game. So again, they just leaned on Claypool. Juju was involved a little bit. James Washington was involved a little bit. Eric Ebron played the type of football that has Colts slash, um, Detroit Lions fans frustrated. I mean, you, you go, Oh, okay. I get it now. He had a drop and then I think another drop that turned to an interception. Um, maybe an overturn because the big Ben didn't have an interception, but he made some questionable plays, but the chase Claypool thing was amazing. I wanted to ask Debo. His thoughts. Uh, I mean, they, look, a lot of credit to the way the Eagles played because the first series, like, oh, this is going to be a bloodbath. Carson Wentz got his bell rung, and then they went from there. But it was 29-31 Steelers leading with, let's see here, how much time was left, Debo? It was late in the fourth. It was under under four minutes left in the fourth. So they're <laughs> facing the Fourth and five of the Pittsburgh 39, you're trailing by two points. And if you're Jake Elliott, if you're Doug Peterson, you send Jake Elliott out to attempt a 57-yard field goal into the open of Heinz Field, which is you might as well be kicking a 100-yard field goal. He didn't make it. I know he has a history of making long kicks. How do you feel about that? That I that the idea of going for it, the field goal there, Devo? No, I do not send him out there. I sent that right before the kick to a, a bunch of group chats. I'm not comfortable with that decision. Breach knows, you know, the longest kick in Heinz Field history, 53 yards. That would have set that mark by four yards. Uh, this goes back to the tie against the Bengals a couple weeks ago and just reemphasizes that Jake Elliott was not hitting a 64-yarder to win that game. It, it kind of firms up that decision by Doug Peterson. The 57-yarder wasn't too far off, but fourth and five inside the 40, go for it. Carson Wentz was was playing well. Uh, find Travis Fulgham, put some respect on his name, Brinson, and, and go for it there. So I, I think Doug has improved a little bit in the past two weeks, but did not agree with that decision. And you know what's crazy is that you could literally argue that the 64-yard field goal from a couple weeks ago, there's actually been a 64-yard field goal in NFL history. So there's at least a .01% chance you're going to make it. There's never been a 57-yard field goal at Heinz Field in the history of the stadium. Even if you include preseason games 
the longest kick ever is 55 yards. It's a kick you're not making. It doesn't matter how good your kicker is. It's the grass. It's funky. You have the wind coming in. It is just a kick that no one makes. And that's why people have learned not to do it. And so I, I do agree that, that going forward on fourth and five probably would have made the most sense. But usually when you have a kick over probably 50 to 55 yards, depending on who your kicker is, the special teams coach or someone will go up to the kicker. Hey, man, do you think you could hit this? And Jake Elliott will say something like, hey, I hit a 60-yarder in warm-ups down on this end. And the coach will say, all right, we're sending you out there. Go on, man. And so I, I do think that Jake Elliott probably let them know he could hit a kick like this. And obviously he didn't. See, the Eagles were one of the first teams to put like an analytics guy in, in Doug's earpiece. We need a, we need just need Breach to be in Doug's ear during Special difficult kick analytics? decisions. I'm in with that. Well, Doug's the problem is here's what Breach will say to every, every time. Three, 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 three. <laughs> So Doug be like, what's wrong with this guy? He keeps telling me to kick field goals. It'll be an echo. <laughs> I don't know. Ryan, what did you think of as a independent observer there, a guy on the opposite team rooting for the opposite team of, of Carson Wentz's performance? Because I, I was impressed by it. I think the story of the game was not Carson Wentz, which is a good thing. It showed that he only really needed, you know, one wide receiver. The, the defense was just a letdown. I think there was poor officiating on both sides. Uh, the first Wentz interception, I just, it was illegal contact and Ertz just stopped moving. I, I don't put the blame whatsoever on him. But I mean, earlier you said, you know, he's, he's the best quarterback in the NFC East at this point and I'll take that. But was there ever a fear of going up against Wentz? Not in the beginning, not after that first series, which was, I think, a three and out and the side in on a sack by TJ Watt. Then the offensive line for the Eagles started blocking and I was actually sort of surprised. They got after him. I think they ended up having four or five sacks against him. Uh, on Wentz, but they weren't getting after it on third. There were a lot of third down conversions that I thought were big third down conversions. I thought Wentz played with a lot of poise, especially after seeing him struggle early in the season. And I was disappointed in the way the Steelers defense played. Uh, the front four is fine and no one complains about that, but the back end, um, they struggled. Mickey Fitzpatrick hasn't really been the guy we saw last year. And I know it's not entirely his fault. I haven't watched him every single snap. Let's go continues. He's not, he's not around the ball like he was a year ago. Maybe that's by design in terms of teams throwing away from him, but he's not making the plays he did. And I was impressed by Wentz. I think the exclamation point on, and I know the analytics football outsiders has the Steelers defense ranked pretty high, but they're watching them. They're not playing that well, but Jalen Hurts coming in on one play and throwing an 18 yard completion that it looked like he had a grizzled veteran told me all I need to know about the Steelers defense. And it, the Eagles should have won that game. I know they were down 10 or 13 or whatever it was at one point. So they were down 17. Oh my God, 17. They came back, converted the two, came back down. They were going up and down the field. And I think for some reason they sputtered there with the idea to kick the 57 yard field goal. Um, I, if they, I'd have been more concerned if they'd gone forward on fourth and five. I, I, cause the way they were playing, I felt like they could do it. And Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool both, I feel like they were invisible to the other team's defense because those guys were so wide ass open every, and I, I am so happy for Travis Fulgham. I hope he sticks because um, I mentioned last week that I talked to him before the draft and he was, sounded like a great kid and worked hard and all that other stuff. And I mean, he won 52 on 10 catches. I mean, you can't, he, he out Greg Ward at Greg Ward, which says a lot. He now has <laughs> one less catch than JJ Ortega Whiteside in his career, who is still a bum. Like I told you guys in the off season. Unnecessary uh, blow torching of JJ Ortega Whiteside, but yeah. sure. Even in the loss, though, I will say, uh, I'm you trying to save the season. What are you talking about? He had a huge catch. When if was that? Dog hadn't screwed the pooch. Ortega Whiteside might have been 
Barthena. The hero. He oh. might have earned himself a trip to Barcelona. Okay. I'm I'm bumping up my record though for the Eagles from six nine and one to seven eight and one Ooh. and winning the division even despite the loss today seven the eight and one. So they're one three and one. They play the Ravens next week. That's one four and one. So now okay. you think okay, they're just going to magically go? But using breach logic, they could beat the Ravens. They're not being the Ravens. They could beat the Ravens. You know they what? Play they better. Don't... They play better today than the Cowboys did. The Eagles did. People are listening to this podcast on October twelfth. The Seahawks do not. Or the Seahawks. The Eagles don't play another game away from Philadelphia until November fifteenth. Literally more than a month away. So, Devo, I think that you're a good person. <laughs> oh God, here we go. I do. I do. I think. Yeah. I think that Devo is a genuinely but... nice human being who cares about others and roots for positivity and uh, and likes to engulf. It likes to put himself in a cocoon of positivity, so as to project positive energy back into the world. Which, why on earth he would work with me? I don't know. Right. Um, but I have to ask. This is we're not recording, so this is off the record. Right. When like Dak always. went down. Oh, oh Jesus. What a terrible should have known. I didn't think it was gonna be this bad. <laughs> Obviously you were sad. Yeah, that's that's just first of all, it's disgusting. I I'm, I have a I get an upset stomach pretty easily, so that's not something you ever want to see. Um yeah, I mean, Dax, Dax, tough to like dislike, even being the Cowboys quarterback. Like when I was growing up, like you didn't like Tony Romo. Dak is is tough to not to like. I mean, I don't have that same hate that I I did for guys like that when I was was growing up. I think I'm a little bit more mature now. But even like seeing like you interacted with him at the Super Bowl, seeing him interact like that, I think a couple weeks ago talking about the mental health stuff, like that takes a lot for America's team's quarterback to come out and do that. Yeah. So I don't have any hatred in my heart towards Dak. I wish him well. I get to see Andy Dalton, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess no, I mean like obviously I, I know you would never root for an injury. That's that's what I'm saying. And I don't I don't th- nobody would root for that injury. That injury is awful, and nobody wants that for for anybody. Um, I guess I just wonder, like, when you when you wake up tomorrow, knowing that you lost, knowing that you're playing the Ravens, I mean, like, some, I, I guess it, it's like somehow the Eagles are, and let me check check my notes here, one three and one, and you have to feel pretty good about them winning the like getting the playoffs, right? I, feel, I mean, the, when we when you do your hypotheticals, you know, you talk about, you know, the Bears could be one and four, they could be zero and five, the Cowboys could easily be zero and five. Yes. They could have lost yes. to the Giants today. They should have lost to the Giants today. A couple of touchdowns the pulled back. Could be 0 and 5. Absolutely. They could be 2 and 3 though as well. Right. Hang on the keyboard right now. Oh, he missed. He missed. Oh. <laughs> Cuz here the Eagles tied the Bengals. If we had to send Kevin Harlan a dollar every time you play that. The guy would be a trillionaire. What if Kevin Harlan I, I, I really do want to like hit him up and be like, "Hey, I don't even know this. We play your sound drops in the podcast 42. No, don't tell him because he'll say, number one, who is this? And number two, cease and desist. I met Kevin Harlan my first, uh, uh, first year working this job. Uh-huh. Prisco had me on his radio. Prisco was doing Radio Row on his Jacksonville radio show. And he's like, I want to have Prisco had me on his radio show to do a hit. And when I came over there, Kevin Harlan was doing a hit. I sat down and did a radio hit with Kevin Harlan. I was freaking the bleep out. It was like, it was pretty. Anyway, Browns 32, Colts 23. The Browns minus one covers the over 48 and a half hits. Baker Mayfield, your top fantasy performer with 18 points. Kareem Hunt 15. 
The Browns are four and one for the first time since the 1994 season when, as everyone on social media probably is aware, the head coach was Bill Belichick and the defensive coordinator was Nick Saban. It's also the last time that the Browns had a playoff victory when they beat Bill Parcells and the Patriots. They've won four straight games for the first time since 2009. They lead the league in takeaways and points off turnovers. After allowing just 28 rushing yards to the Bears, the Colts allowed 124 rushing yards, their most this season, to the Browns. The Browns are the best rushing team in football, maybe ahead of the Ravens. That's without Nick Chubb. I uh, I flopped on this one. I had the Colts initially and flipped back to the Browns and actually ended up betting on the Browns and put the Browns in a parlay with the Panthers, Seahawks, and uh, Steelers. Woo, me. Um, how could you not be impressed with this Browns team? Well, I am. And they went up against the best defense in the NFL and absolutely railroaded those guys. The best defense minus its best player. Who? Darius Leonard. Oh. It's worth noting, like, and the reason I flipped, I remember I flipped live on our show, on our HQ show on Friday. The reason I flipped is because the Colts were without Darius Leonard and Anthony Costanza. That's a huge deal. Oh, right. You mentioned that. That's right. Costanza was the other one. I, I think the bigger issue was the quarterback who was washed for the Colts. You're talking about the Browns, Ryan. I actually thought he was talking about the no, not Browns Baker. issue was the quarterback. Hey, hey, look, no. Baker we're not going to talk about Philip Rivers and the Colts. This is not a show about Philip Rivers and the Colts. It's a show about winners. Ba- <laughs> Baker actually after the game said it was nice to get a win. And he actually said he thought this was one of his worst games. He had two sort of not great intercept, uh, interceptions. Sometimes you can get unlucky with interceptions. Those are pretty bad. Only outpaced by the, uh, the guy on the other t- team. That you uh, enough, enough, Ryan. But I thought Baker played with poise. But again, the big issue for uh, this offense now is no Freddie Kitchens. For the Colts is. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Stefanski, who we know, was very good at balancing the run and even leaning on the run in Minnesota is doing the exact same thing. No Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt's there. Ran for 72 yards, had a touchdown catch. It was a really nice catch on a good throw by Baker. And then Miles Garrett is the second best defender in football after Aaron Donald. And he is a one-man wrecking crew. And I say that as a Steelers homer and a um, huge fan of T.J. Watt. Miles Garrett had another sack, four quarterback hits, mm. and a tackle for a loss. He is... Awesome. See the Next, defensive player of the year through five weeks? Aaron Donald has seven sacks, I think. Something like that. So and he definitely took advantage of the fact that Anthony Casanzo did not that, play. that was part of what we said, like was gonna happen. Look, the Colts, um, this is I think is the biggest concern for the Colts. Go ahead and say it. No, I mean I just think like they if don't, you don't say Philip Rivers to wind yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. Do it up. They, they, they're not going to play from behind very well because why? I don't know the is he is he is not good, man. I mean, you don't have to say it. That's fine. Breach and I will will talk talk about it while you close your earballs. But that dude is not good. And we thought I, mean, and I was I, Ben Roethlisberger's thirty eight and has one arm. I please. He didn't even play last year. Tom Brady's 43. That different cat. He's on anabolic. Drew Brees has zero arms. <laughs> Drew Brees didn't play very well. Well, Brees will tell you he'll take Drew Brees. I mean, we did the rankings of the, of the geriatric quarterbacks. You had Phil Rivers number two. So did, did you? you? I did not. No, I had Big Ben number two. Oh, he had Rivers three. Well, look, Rivers had a bad game against a good defense. He's had a, a lot, lot of bad games game. in a row. Yeah, Jinx. 
And here's, yeah, you owe me a, I don't drink Coke. This feels like an intervention. What is happening? It is. But here's the thing, and I fell for this, just like I fell for you <laughs> telling me that Joe Flacco is going to win the MVP last year. I never said I, that. But I said, okay, he's going to since, uh, the Indianapolis. They play indoors. They had this great offensive line. What could go wrong? They have all these playmakers. The defense is good. He's still straight up doo doo. I mean, that's, that's just the cold hard truth. No, you you got to settle down with this. He had a bad game. They're three and two. He's played. He has, he has not played. The Jaguars in week one. I said that was going to happen too. I'm not, well, the Colts are fine. The Jaguars are the only team in NFL history to lose three straight weeks to teams with losing record, to teams with no wins. We'll give the Jaguars in a second. What you- Brian, that was my fun fact. Oh, nice. Payback. You, you didn't use it in the right <sighs> game though. You didn't use it on the right game. Yeah. So I'm going to use it before you used it. All right, go ahead. That's like me busting out a Nick Lachey fun fact, right? It just, it wouldn't make any sense. You're, you're totally out of order now. We're talking about. Am I concerned about Rivers? Yes, of course I'm concerned about Rivers. Is it a problem? Yes, it's a problem. Are the Colts going to struggle to storm back on teams because their offense doesn't look that great? It doesn't look like it can be completely high octane unless they got a lead and they're just pounding the ball down somebody's throat and they're not playing particularly well in the red zone and they're relying on Rodrigo Blankenship to kick a bunch of field goals late and they need their defense to be elite in order to win football games. Yes, I am concerned. Effectively concerned. Okay. Are you happy? Are you happy that I'm concerned? Made my day. That's all I wanted to hear. But you know what? Wilson, the problem is the next three weeks, all we're going to hear about is Rivers because their next games are against the Bengals and Lions, and there's a bye week in there, and the Colts will probably be in first place in three weeks, and then well, Brins is going to rub it in our face. Well, pull a breach. What if they lose to the Bengals and Lions? Oh, boy, this is setting up. I'll tell you what. Week six is setting up Panthers against the Bears, Colts against the Bengals. Ooh, baby, somebody could be obnoxious next week. Or the exact opposite of that. Yeah, or, or you're or not going to show up. Or snap my neck before. Brenton's calling in sick. He and Dwayne Haskins are still not feeling well. <laughs> oh, they're, they're, the Dwayne Haskins thing is ridiculous. So, yeah, Bengals, Lions. Look, Bengals, Lions, Ravens, Titans, Packers, Titans. The Colts are fine. Well, they're fine for two games, and then things going to get real. I think the Browns are just a good football team. What if, what if it, and hear me out here. What if Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson are the two worst coaches in NFL history and all it took was a competent or semi-competent person with a brain to take over the Browns and all of a sudden they're just a playoff team? Like what if the Browns are really good? Well, you mentioned the upcoming schedule for the Colts. Next week, the Browns travel to Pittsburgh, so we'll get a good idea. And look, man, the way that Pittsburgh defense is playing, they might be in for a rude awakening. The Steelers, not not the Browns, because the Browns, as you point out, are playing really well. Browns get the Steelers. I screw it, man. I'm off my game today. Then the Bengals. Which? Holy Moses! Have you seen the schedule? What? We're all staring at it. The Browns get the Steelers, Bengals, Raiders, Texans, Eagles, Jaguars. What does that mean? That's not a bunch of layups there. They got some work to do. All those teams are bad. Steelers aren't bad. The, Ravens aren't crazy bad. About, the crazy thing about the schedule is starting with Sunday's game against the Colts. They get five out of six games at home. Are they going to go? Are they going to be like nine and two? Stop it. Every team can't be 11 and five or five out of six in Ohio. I mean, Ohio. they could. I, the thing is, once you're four and one, all they have to do is go five and six the rest of the way. Nine and seven is going to get you in the playoffs in a 17 playoff field. The Browns literally just go five and six during the playoffs. Okay. I mean, what does history tell us the last 20 years, how the Browns do in the second half of the season? They're going to lose the rest of these, and their fans are going to panic, and that Brinson's going to have to get off the Browns train and 
he's going to be crying about it by week 12. That's what history tells us, but that doesn't mean Steelers, it's going to happen. Look, they're going to beat four of the Bengals, Raiders, Texans, Eagles, Jaguars. We the just, you just got to tell me the Raiders are going to the playoffs. They, I said they, what? No, I said they, they might. Browns or Raiders? Who goes to the playoffs? Who's better chance to go to the playoffs? The Browns are four and one. And I told you that was the third team in the division that was going to go to keep the Raiders out. I told you that. Oh my God. <laughs> I think Debo's ready for us to move on for you telling some more lies. Browns are good. Browns are good. Browns are good. Browns are the last time, by the way, the last, they've, they've started four and one in the Super Bowl era. 1969, they lost the conference championship game. 1971, lost the divisional game. 1979, missed the playoffs. And 1994, lost the divisional game. Kevin Stefanski should be surging to the lead, coach of the year lead right now. Right now? I think that we screwed that up, Debo, on the awards podcast. We said, uh, who did we say? I would say Sean McDermott right now, but you said, I said McDermott. Um, we should, it should be Kevin Stefanski. Well, it's early. It's uh, just a quarter poll, you mean? Oh, yeah. Brady said LaFleur. Um, I don't know why I'm so dismissive of that. Ravens 27, Bengals 3. Oh, no. Joe Backdoor Burrow had a rough one. The Bengals looked like the 2019 Bengals. You know what? I forgot. I got murdered for the Colts and Rivers. So, Breach, explain why your crappy team crapped it out like a bunch of crap faces who can't do anything but crap their pants. I mean, that's basically what they did, and it was muddy out. But look <laughs> on the pants like that's actually what happened. This game, I, I had a hard – I couldn't even watch it. I, turned, I was afraid for Joe Burrow's life. I just – I don't want to sit there and see his career end five weeks into it because they can't protect him. It's insane how quickly teams get in there and put pressure on him. We saw – Tebow, how many times did the Eagles sack Burrow last week? I think it was eight or nine. He got sacked seven times by the Ravens. And you know what? He started to turn into Daniel Jones uh, just fumbling left and right. So, I, I look, Joe Burrow, I know the Bengals don't have an offensive line that can protect you. I know you don't want to admit it publicly, but we know. We both know it's true. Everyone on this podcast knows it's true. But you can't fumble. You got to protect the ball. Um, he also threw just a horrible, horrible interception. So – he had a couple rookie mistakes with the turnovers. Hey, let me uh, ask you though. We only have a half second to throw. It's hard to hold him against that. Let me ask you the interception because it looked horrible, but when you rewatch it, AJ Green just quit running and then AJ Green didn't even try to make a tackle afterwards. AJ Green loafed some, uh, Lance McAllister from, uh, radio in Cincinnati tweeted that what the heck is AJ Green doing here? And I tweeted to Lance that. Lance put more effort into his tweet than A.J. Green did on the play because that's what it was. A.J. Green just well, put it all on Joe Burrow. That's what I was trying Well, to. no, the interception was bad because – Burrow it, had a bad game. Own it. Come it, on. Own I, it. Own it. I just spent three minutes owning it. Unlike Admit it. Burrow you, stinks. He's okay, trash. I know that far. Um, At any point, did you want Ryan Finley to come in and take the, take, take the bludgeoning like in the fourth quarter? Like in the fourth quarter, yeah, I kind of did. I was kind of hoping that. Yeah, he's like, Breach was angry and wanted like his anger taken out of Ryan Finley. Like, go, get, I, and the sort of there. lost, yeah. lost in this conversation is that Lamar Jackson did not play well. And that's where I was going to go next. Go ahead. You go there. No, you go. You're there. deflecting from Joe Burrow by talking about Lamar Jackson. No, Burrow was Lamar Jackson playing behind that, that Bengals offensive line would have gotten sacked seven times too. And I, I think that if you flip the Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, like the result is probably the same. Yeah. And Joe Burrow probably plays, plays better than Lamar Jackson is. So it, maybe the weather was an issue, but Lamar Jackson hasn't played as well this year as we thought he was going to play. And he's throwing the ball down the field more, at least early in the season he did. And that was one of the things he's working on the offseason. We know all that. But I, I do wonder with the Chiefs loss and with the Ravens playing sort of iffy against the, the Bengals, what this means for the tightening in the AFC. Mm. 
I I will so Azer asked me on the fantasy football Twitch show today, uh, what will your top four Super Bowl teams be? So I'll ask you the same question. Well, I think you know the um, the Packers have to be in there because they're pretty good. The Seahawks have to be in there because they're obviously. So you start your list of the Packers and Seahawks. Yeah, both undefeated. I mean, and we're at the point in the season where every game isn't going to be a blowout, so they're going to have tough games. Like the Seahawks beating the Vikings in Seattle wasn't a fun game to watch if you're a Seahawks fan for most of it, but they, they eked it out because of Russ Wilson and Mike Zimmer to an extent. But, but you know, so those are my two in the, uh, in the NFC. And then, I mean, do I feel comfortable putting the Bills in the playoff in that Super Bowl conversation? I'm saying. Like, don't you have to start? I think you still start with the Chiefs and the Ravens, but as opposed to previously where you're like, oh, Chiefs and Ravens, obviously. Yeah. Now you're like, eh, what do I consider a third AFC team? No, I think and I'll well, just say the Titans, about the Ravens. Man, We're talking the about the Ravens offense struggling, and they still won this game 27 to 3. You know, like <laughs> the Browns played the Bengals. The Browns struggled against the Bengals. The Browns almost lost to the Bengals. The Baltimore Ravens handled this game from start to finish. It was never close. Never I never close. even, not after the opening kickoff, I never thought the Bengals were going to win this game. So <laughs> this was just out of hand, even though the Bengals defense did actually play somewhat respectable against the Ravens offense, which I didn't see coming. So by the uh, way, they kicked a field goal on fourth and seven from the 20, Baltimore's 20. Yeah. They don't want to get shut out. Avoid the shutout. Powerly. By the way, we haven't talked about this. At- Randy Bullock didn't get a cramp. <laughs> we haven't talked about this at all. Uh, and you have, t- you have 10, seconds. ten seconds to answer before we have to move on. Breach is Zach Taylor. Should he be on the hot seat? Ooh. No, he gets this entire season, and then you reflect on the season. He, you don't fire him in season. You got to give him a full season with Joe Burrow, uh, probably two. But I do think you dude. judge it after the season. You don't fire him in season at all. Okay. You can't like, don't even think about it. Well, I don't think you can definitely give him two seasons. It sounds Burrow. like a lot, but you can think about it after the season. I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't fire him in the middle of the season. Uh, the Bengals, by the way, have gone 32 consecutive games without back-to-back wins, extending mm. the longest streak of its kind in franchise history. They've also Cincinnati, they're on a 15-game winless streak on the road. 16-game winless streak breach <laughs> because they tied, remember? Oh, 15 and one If you took the Bengals' last 16 road games and put them into a season, they would be winless. But still better than the the Hugh Jackson Bengals or the Hugh Jackson Browns. Excuse that's me. right. That's right. Uh, all right. Moving along. Texans at Jaguars. 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 Texans minus six and a half covers the under 54 and a half hits. Oh, my God. This game is terrible. Deshaun Watson, 30 points. Somehow salvaged Jamie Eisenberg's day, his start of the week. Gardner Minshew, 23 fantasy points. Brandon Cooks had a really nice game, 22 fantasy points. Um, yeah, he, he balled out. Do so is Romeo Cannell's first one as a head coach since December 2nd, 2012, and he was head coach of the Chiefs with our pal Brady Quinn. And oh, uh, Deshaun Watson, two interceptions today against the Jaguars. He wasn't good, but he ended up with a good stat line. Fantasy court, fantasy, fantasy day for Deshaun Watson. That's about it. Hey, Bridge, you got a fun fact for this game? I do have a fun fact. Jacksonville is the first team in NFL history to lose three consecutive games to teams that had zero wins when they played. We've already love said it. this. I love I, it. That was the joke, Brinson. I was. <laughs> Brinson's still smarting over the Phillip Rivers dunking on. That was outrageous. He tuned us out after that. But I do appreciate the fact that they... uncalled for. 
They scored points. It wasn't pretty, but they were able to score points after mustering six first half points last week with Bill O'Brien as the, as the uh, offensive coordinator, the play caller for the first time all season. And that clearly didn't work out. And, you know, they won a football game, which is also sort of important in the NFL where you're supposed to try to win as many games as possible. I would like to point out the Jags kicker, Stephen Hauschka, missed two field goals in 37 seconds. <laughs> At the end of the first half, the first one, he went wide left from 24 yards. And I could see the Jags coaching staff on the sideline just ripping their hair out when they had to try a second field goal 34 seconds later because it was the final play of the first half. That one was from 49 yards. It's more acceptable if you miss from that length, but he fell short. The Ooh. kick fell short, and so that was six. Wait, he shorted it? He shorted it from 49. Um. Yeah, they didn't try another field goal, I don't believe. And they were not, they were going for it basically, basically every fourth down. Uh, I assume you do know where Stephen Hauschka went to college. William and Mary? No. Oh. In Canada, right? University of Miami? Oh, North Carolina State. North Carolina. Oh! <laughs> yes, that's a self-dunking. <laughs> right. He was there with Russell Wilson. Who, who would have known? Nobody. Russell Wilson's teammate in Seattle. Uh, I don't I don't think you can take a whole lot from this game. Like this is the this was like the Houston won. That's what you can take. Away this from is it. like Washington fired Jay Gruden last year and then beating Miami. Yeah. Houston's okay. not good. They're not going to win a bunch of games. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I love can the, they win the AFC South. But you just said Dan Quinn got fired and the Falcons are going to reel off eight wins in a row or some nonsense. I don't think I said that. Somebody said it. I'm Romeo Cornell picked up his first win and he also set the record as the oldest coach, oldest head coach in NFL history. I can't believe that. 73, is that what you said last week? 73. I just don't, I mean, I just don't think that the Texans are, are good. Like, I don't think this tells us that the Texans are better without Bill O'Brien. What if they beat the Titans next week? They could definitely beat the Titans next week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Titans are three now. Breach they could, it wouldn't be surprising if they beat the Titans. What if they beat the Packers the week after that? Then, then we can discuss and I'll change my tune. Well, Watson's I mean, not playing well. Third. Watson's not playing good football right now. Yeah, yeah interception. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. That would do it all by himself. That, that has something to do with that. I mean, okay, but his like his most of his stats were in garbage time. Yeah. David Johnson had 95 rushing yards. That was mostly in garbage time. I'm just not buying that this is a magical turnaround for the Texans. I think they had a hard. No, no one's saying that. They beat a Jaguars team, as Breach just pointed out, makes a point of losing to teams with no wins. Jaguars are awful. Worst defense in football. Uh, but they're not the worst team in football because that distinction belongs to the O and five New York Jets who lost 30 to 10 to the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals minus seven covering that was free money. So I don't know why I didn't hammer that. Uh, the under 48 and a half hit Cardinals unders always hit. So the Jets unders. What am I doing? Uh, Kyler Murray, top fantasy performer, 28 points. DeAndre Hopkins, 19 points. Jameson Crowder, 17. <laughs> Adam Gase just is not getting fired. And I, and. Well, the excuse now is he had to start Joe Flacco, so he's okay. <laughs> Can't be I, I, I don't have any problem with, um, and Adam Gase, Rich to me, he said, he said, Adam Gase says the record, quote, doesn't match up, end quote, with the way the team practices. He says, quote, you wouldn't know our record, end quote, based on the way they practice. Didn't one of the players say a few weeks ago that they're not practicing hard enough? Two of the players. Oh. On the record, this wasn't even like an anonymous source. This was two <laughs> players doing an interview and both saying uh, on radio, look, we don't practice very hard, and it's showing up in the games. Like, what? How do you think Adam Gase keeps score? What's a good practice? Because that's the next question. 
I look, they, they, they're the worst team in football and it's not close. It is not close. Uh, somebody did ask a, a podcast listener, um, did ask if, uh, I think the question about Trevor Lawrence, let me check real quick. Well, while you look that up, Jason Lockham Four reported Sunday morning that the Jets are interested in trading Sam Darnold. Mm. Should they find their way to the first overall pick, which seems to be destiny at this point? Oh, Tim, Tim, uh, Tim asked, hashtag pick six podcast question. If Gase is not fired and the Jets take Lawrence, how many weeks before Lawrence is called a draft bust? <laughs> There's no way Adam Gase is coaching the team next year, is there? Zero. Right. About 1% chance. And by the way, one of the reasons to sort of think about firing guys sooner than later is that you so you can get your hat in the ring for if you love Eric Bieniemy or you love Josh McDaniels or whomever you wait around till January it could be too late i know there's no like you can't hire Eric Bieniemy now because of the because of the rules but you can certainly back channel right. your way into having those conversations what do you know about back channels Ryan eh, set one up russian embassy 2016 <laughs> Um, you know, I had to watch this game because uh, I was grading it, and the Cardinals didn't look that good in the first half. And I know they ended up winning this game thirty to ten. And it it's a West Coast team playing Eastern Time, ten a.m. start uh, on their bodies, and they had to fly all the way out there. And the Jets had that positive or the false positive Friday, so the Cardinals didn't even know they're going to fly out there. So I don't know how much I should read into that, especially because they won by twenty points. Um, but I'm just not sure how good the Cardinals are. And the one thing about Adam Gase, so. You're 0-4 going into this game, correct? Yes. Your first possession, mm. just get the ball first. They have a fourth and one from their own 34-yard line. You have nothing to lose. Do you go for it or you punt it? <laughs> I punt it. <laughs> Second possession, fourth and two from their own 35-yard line. You have nothing to lose. Do you go for it or you punt it? The best part is Adam Gates knows no one is watching. There's no one in the stands. No one would bear to turn this on television. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't want to be there. He's trying to end the game. Three or four times in that Twitch stream, Azer was like, let's talk about that Cardinals-Jets game. I was like, stop it. I'm not. I will not talk about that game. It's terrible. Well, and then my favorite part real quick is the fact that Cliff Kingsbury was in the almost exact same situation. He had a fourth and one from the Cardinals 39. Guess what Cliff Kingsbury did? <laughs> went for it. He went for it. They got a touchdown, and that put them up 30 to 10, and they ended up icing the game with that score. So there you go. Cliff Kingsbury, who had a losing record in college, is a better NFL coach than Adam Gase. Yeah, that didn't take long either. The Jets averaged 4.5 yards per uh, play. They had 285 total yards, four of 13 on third down. They were terrible. The, the Jets are the Jets are awful. Do not bet on the Jets. Chandler Jones likely out for the year. That is concerning. The Cardinals feel like they could be a uh, they could be in the playoffs. Oh, stop it! They're a year away. Three and two. Yeah, I don't think so. Thank what? You. What are you talking about? You're saying every team is in the playoffs. Are they better than the Colts? Absolutely. Are they going to the playoffs now? But they're not even, what are you talking about? They're not in the same conference. That was a joke just to poke fun at Bill Rivers and you. They're not better. Yeah, look, one team is coming out of the NFC, NFC East, right? Okay. Yes. By default. I will indulge you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I think that probably one team is coming out of the NFC South, maybe two. So you think you know, the Saints or Buccaneers aren't getting in the playoffs? Yeah, what are you yeah. talking about? Which one? Well, and you talked about, about earlier the Panthers potentially being a playoff team. I, yeah, I do potentially believe they're a playoff team. <laughs> Don't make fun of Breach and try to change the subject. You're making up stuff as you go along. What is um, 
I'm just saying, I think I don't think counting at the Cardinals is a smart move. Like, they're legit. It's a pretty okay. smart move. Yeah. They're not going to the playoffs. They're three and two. Y'all nuts? What are you talking about? Every team can't go to the playoffs. They added a playoff spot this season. Brinson, in your head, literally the Jets are eliminated and the Bengals are eliminated. <laughs> and the other 30 teams could still get in. There are six playoff spots up for grabs in the NFC. And Ted, mathematically, every everybody's still eligible. But guess what? It ain't going to okay. work out that way. Who are the three wildcard teams in the NFC right now? All right, let me look. I close it down. Like based on standings or based on our, our predictions? Based on standings, it would be Chicago. The Rams and the Panthers. Rams and the Panthers, with the Panthers beating out the Cardinals for a tiebreaker. Yeah. I think the Saints end up getting one. Maybe. They do. Trust me. I've already seen it. No, yeah. I'm not trusting you. You're a Cowboys propaganda machine. All right, let's get out of here. This no, is, uh, let's finish with our winners. Of, oh, by the way, schedule changes. Oh, Lord. Breach, tell me what the hell. This happening. feels like a waste of breath because no one's going to remember these. Yeah, people. that's true. There's way too much going on to just go through all of them. I think I did do a winners and losers that I could talk about for about 60 seconds. That uh, sounds like a potentially great sold. idea. I will say this. Um, Michael Silver tweeted out a little bit before this podcast that according to a source familiar with the NFL scheduling scenarios, when the league decided Sunday morning not to play Broncos Patriots Monday night, they debated an indefinite postponement, which would essentially put the Week 18 scenario in play. Instead, it was moved to next Sunday, and a contingency plan involving eight games, eight teams, and six switch bye weeks was implemented. Implemented. However, once a team that's already had its bye week can't play in a given week, the Week 18 situation is going to happen. So if Bills and Titans is canceled on Monday, postponed on Monday, then Week 18 will probably be a realistic situation. Now, it's also possible if that that game doesn't affect the playoffs that they could end up canceling it. But we can't get paid as a player. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. I think if the NFL makes the decision to cancel your game and you don't have anything to do with it. um, I did think it was interesting. They moved the Broncos Patriots and decided to move that one game that had that trickle down effect that did impact eight games, which is a total crazy. I said it on the HQ Friday. I tweeted out on Sunday that this just feels like two drunk people at a bar trying to play Django. It is your, anybody can move the first six or seven pieces. After that, it gets dicey. It collapses. It's all over. And that's where the NFL's at. You can't pull any more pieces out because you're going to have to add that week 18 and maybe a week 19. If the Titans don't ever play another game again, uh, real quick, my winner of all the schedule changes, the Buffalo bills. So Buffalo, gets to play the 3-0 Titans. They get two days of extra rest before they do that because th- that game was supposed to play Sunday, now it's being played Tuesday. Buffalo now plays the Chiefs next Monday. They get six full days of rest from Tuesday through Monday. If the schedule had been as originally planned, they would have only gotten three days of rest before the Chiefs game because it was supposed to be on a Thursday. So they went from getting three days of rest to six days of rest before playing the Chiefs. That is absolutely monstrous. Uh, and then the Chiefs, obviously, same thing. They don't have to play any Thursday games this year, which I think is a huge benefit. Teams hate Thursday games, and now Kansas City's Thursday game got moved to a Monday, so they get, boom, three extra days of rest, uh, and so those are my two big winners. Yeah, so here's the quick – the NFL said the schedule out. It was like – I was like, oh, scheduling changes. Let's look at this email. It's like, what? 
Broncos Pats moved to week six. Chiefs Bills moved from Thursday, October 15th to Monday, October 19th at 5 p.m. on Fox NFL Network and Amazon. Jets and Dolphins moved from week 10 to week six on CBS. Jets and Chargers moved from week six to week 11 on CBS. Jaguars Chargers moved from week eight to week seven on CBS. We're really getting something here. The Chargers Broncos moved from week 11 to week eight on CBS. And the Chargers Dolphins moved from week seven to week 10 on CBS. Plus, the Dolphins Broncos moved from week six to week 11 on CBS. You get all that, guys? Yeah, I can't believe you actually just read it out. That was a lot. It's insane. Even for me. And I enjoy this stuff. Yeah, you get off of this stuff. It's weird. That's weird. That I said that or that you get off on it? Both. I think it's weird. You get off. Um, I will say that the uh, – Ryan, who's your winner? Chase Claypool. And the Steelers, Ooh. they found another wide receiver. Uh, they seem like – I don't know how they do it, but they hit a home run every year, these guys. And uh, second-round pick, the difference in the win on Sunday against the, the Eagles, four touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing. Uh, amazing game. All right. I'm going to say that my winner – actually, I have two winners. You can't two winners. You gotta let me have a winner then. Let me go first. Uh, I'm gonna go first. My first winner, me. My second winner, Andy Dalton, because I'm stealing Breach's winner. Uh, uh, what a jerk. <laughs> my winner makes Brenton a loser because my winner's Derek Carr. Oh. Brenton is in fire. Oh. <laughs> He's in spent his entire professional media career just totally ripping Derek Carr. And you know what Derek Carr did today? He proved that he's the best quarterback in the NFL because he played better than the best quarterback in the NFL. It's the transitive property that Brenton always talks about. You automatically get the it's title. A transitive property podcast. But, I mean, the bottom line is he outplayed Patrick Mahomes. None of us thought that was going to happen. I, I don't think literally anyone in the world, probably not even Derek Carr, thought that was going to happen. And he absolutely Darren, did. Darren Carr, Darren Carr did. <laughs> David Carr. Darren, so, Darren. and he looked fantastic today. If this Derek Carr shows up uh, every week for the rest of the season, I don't know if that's possible. Then, Brenton, I don't think your theory of the Raiders going to playoffs is that crazy. So if I this there. Derek Carr shows up every week for the rest, you're gonna win the Super Bowl. I'm <laughs> quitting my job and moving to Costa Rica because I can't handle Prisco being right about everything. And the car, the Derek Carr being like an MVP caliber quarterback. I can't, the Bears are like, full, I can't handle it. I can't. <laughs> so, you know, I'm at my breaking point on this pandemic season occurring and like Pete getting everything right. The Bears being good. The Raiders, Derek Carr rolling. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, Oh, this is funny. Everything's and they're like, Oh my God. It's all happening to me. <laughs> um, uh, my winner, Andy Dalton. <laughs> Seriously, I think Andy Dalton has a legitimate chance to, oh, you know, to to get another playoff appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. Brainwash Brenton. What's that? Nothing. Brainwash me. Uh, what about your loser, Breach? My loser is the San Francisco 49ers. A total embarrassment. That was an ugly. They gave up 43 points to the Dolphins. I don't, you cannot spin that in a positive way. Your defense was bad. Your offense was bad. And now in your last place in the most difficult division in football, I don't want to write them off. I got, I got my pencil out ready to do it. I'm going with, uh, Philip Daggummit Rivers (laughs) because, uh, he's washed. I mean, that's the, that's the truth. And, I don't know if Jacoby Brissett gives you just as much as Philip Rivers gives you. Oh, stop it. If he's healthy. This is unbelievable slander. 
NC State on NC State crime. Look at you. You're taking sides. <laughs> I'm so sleepy. Yeah, I'm going Phil Rivers. Yes, we'll play. get through your loser, Brenton. And we can call it a show. Joe Burrow. Oh God. <laughs> the uh, rookie quarterback has played really well. Had a chance to storm it through the back door on the Ravens. Couldn't muster a single touchdown against Baltimore. And you know what the real concern is? First time in Joe Burrow's career that we've seen him being forced to play outdoors in dangerous weather. Dangerous? Dangerous. Inclement? Inclement weather. You're welcome. Rain, wind, and you know what happened? He was careless and reckless and lost the ball and created turnovers. And I think you have to ask the question, if the Bengals are the worst team in football this year, do they draft Trevor Lawrence? Every team drafts Trevor Lawrence. But the, the Bengals can't draft Trevor Lawrence. You know what, Brenton? Their next game's in a dome, so they don't have to worry about the weather. All right, he'll be good again because he's a little – does he have big hands or little hands? I think his hands are okay. And the question was his arm strength. But he's fine. I love Drew Burrow, but I don't Let's be, Yeah, I don't care who you are. Playing behind that offensive line, it's only a matter of time. Right. I agree with that. Uh, all right. Let's uh, – you guys want to do a couple more games? Yeah, let's just make up some games. Hands were nine inches. Ooh. That's right. On the, yeah, that's same size as Drew Locke, which isn't big. Russell's like 14. Yay, Russell. All right, let's get out of here. Great podcast as always. Good show. See you guys again tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.